May signifies many different moments, warmer temps, school ending for the summer, changes in routine, high school graduations, looking forward to what's next, or maybe you're closing out your college experience and preparing to take on the world in just a few weeks. May is also Mental Health Awareness Month. Mental health is essential for a person's overall health and plays a role in your everyday life and interactions. The month of May has been observed for Mental Health Awareness Month in the United States since 1949 to increase awareness and the importance of mental health and wellness in Americans' lives and to celebrate recovery from mental illness. Welcome to Bison Talk. Today with us we have Andrea Mills, director of the Lipscomb University Counseling Center. Welcome to Bison Talk, Andrea. Thank you so much, Claire. Absolutely. Well, we're so excited to have you here. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how you found your passion in counseling, how you came to Lipscomb. Okay, well, yes, I love being here at Lipscomb and I've been here nine and a half years now. <laughs> I started as the assistant director and then right as COVID was hitting, I transitioned into the director role. So. Uh, it is starting to settle down a little bit at this point, uh, but I I've loved being here at Lipscomb. Before this, I was at UAB, uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham, at the hospital, and I worked uh, with emerging adults, which is 18 to 25-year-olds, mm -hmm. um, in related to like drug addiction in their hospital inpatient area. So, um, and before that, I had a private practice and then also worked in substance use um, and with clients that had serious mental illness in a, a nonprofit. So, um, what led me to Lipscomb uh, is it's an alma mater for my uh, father and my grandmother was um, a student here at Lipscomb. And um, we were moving to the Nashville area to be closer to family. And this just felt like where God was leading me. And I have never second guessed that. It is exactly what I have always wanted to do. When I was in grad school, I interned at Samford University and I was like, this is it. Someday this is what I wanna be back to and back to doing. So since that time, which is a long, so long ago that I won't put years on it, um, <laughs> I uh, had that experience and, and knew this is eventually where I wanted to end up. And have really enjoyed working with college students of all ages, you know, all the way from 18 to 60, so. Well, why should we prioritize our mental health? I'm, that's that's a question. good question, because <laughs> I think that's that it's changing where people are understanding that more. But in the past, people really didn't understand why do we need to prioritize mental health. It, it seemed like one of those things where if you were strong enough, you didn't have to prioritize your mental health because you didn't have any issues. But um, that's just not the case. Uh, health is health and mental and physical, just like if uh, your physical health, we do things to try to keep ourselves healthy all the time. So there's that mind-body connection and mental health is the same way. For us to be our best selves, we have to think about our mental health, whether it's self-care, which sometimes people don't think of as like a mental health related thing, but it really is helpful. Uh, all the way to if you're really struggling with a mental illness and um, prioritizing your mental health and choosing to go to a counselor just like you would a doctor if you were sick. Um, it helps us to, yeah, be our best selves. And then also, um, if we put our mental health to the side, sometimes it impacts every other area of our life, even if we don't realize it. What well, our relationships, um, interactions with family, uh, our, our, our physical health and how we feel, um, like having headaches all the time or a stomachache all the time and you're like oh that has nothing to do with my mental health but it might it might be actually that missing piece for people uh, because things are so intricately connected 
-hmm. in that way. Um, so we've found that as people start to prioritize their mental health, we have students now coming in and they'll say, I just know that it's important for me to process things and to understand more about myself. And I want to have a counselor as part of my support team. And, <clears throat> and they'll meet with us and, you know, sometimes they don't need long-term therapy. Most of the time they don't. But it's just great for them to say, I realized this was something I needed to check on on, kind of like a yearly checkup with your physician would be. Absolutely. So. I love that yeah. idea of a yearly checkup, semesterly, you right. can drill it down into <laughs> this month I'm feeling really off, like I should probably go talk it out and process it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. That's yeah. awesome. On mental health for college students in particular, they have new state, new major, new experience. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of moving pieces within the college age or even, as you said, 18 to 60, if you're doing grads or a master's program, that's a lot. Yeah, so when it comes to why do we um, have to focus on the college population, like why is that important, even if, no matter what their age is, school is stressful. I mean, it just is. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people don't want to admit that. They're like, oh, this is the best time of my life. Well, it can be the best time of your life and super stressful all at the same time. Oh, so. Yeah. <laughs> Um, having that, whether it's a grad program, but really our undergrads, uh, especially leaving home, um, being in a new place, um, trying to figure out who you're going to be, what you're going to do with your life, going through all those transitions is stressful. And then also um, finding that independence. Maybe they're not talking to the same people they were. They left their friends behind or they're, you know, they want to try to be more independent and not call mom and dad every 30 minutes or something. And they start to realize um, that they're struggling because they're not reaching out to those same support systems they had before. Uh, and um, that's when we need to intervene sometimes because it can seem like a little thing not talking to your support systems as much, but then it builds. Um, and we especially see it, it's very cyclical. So like around midterms, we see a wave of um, of people in more crisis um, because the stress level just goes up slightly, but it's enough that maybe they haven't figured out how to deal with their stress as well. Or maybe they aren't eating like they should. Maybe they're eating cereal for three meals a day <laughs> um, and then ice cream after that. Or they're not sleeping. They're staying up till 2 a.m. and then getting up for an eight o'clock class or something like that. And so when a little extra stress hits, certain times of the semester, we'll see these waves of people coming in really needing some extra support. Um, and we wanna be that for them. So that's one reason the college population, we really want to have lots of opportunities to support them through individual counseling, groups, um, events, things like that. We wanna try to have lots of opportunities. But the second reason is more biological in nature. Um, most mental health issues, the age of onset is 18 to 25. So, um, someone who's never experienced depression before, sometimes they'll come to college and all of a sudden they're like, what is this new thing I'm feeling? It's not true for everyone, but it is, uh, you know, research shows that that's the, a common time period where you'll see some mental health issues start to emerge or at least become pronounced enough that they know they need help. Um, so we need to really um, keep an eye on those sorts of things with these students uh, because they may not know what's going on or how to ask for help when they experience some of those symptoms. What kind of groups do you do? Yeah, so the groups rotate depending on kind of what our clients are needing or what um, we try different types of groups out to really see what they're wanting. Mm -hmm. um, we always run a group for the ideal students um, and 
that's kind of life skills and just processing. Um, this semester we have um, an Al-Anon group that's peer-led, so that's for students who maybe have a family member that has substance abuse issues or just like codependency and relationships, and they need some other people to process that with. Um, and so we oversee that along with the clinical mental health program oversees that group. Um, an injured athlete group. Um, so it just depends on the semester. Our next group that we're starting is a group for students who have divorced parents. Mm. Um, last semester we had a healthy relationships group uh, and that one was very popular. <laughs> <laughs> so we have found that it being a small school, groups aren't as popular because they know they're going to see that person maybe in 20 minutes in the cafeteria. Mm -hmm. And in the bigger schools, uh, groups are a lot more um, popular. But uh, there are certain groups that just really take off where they need that peer support and groups offer that. So that's part of um, what we do with groups. Also, do you have a telehealth, or is it only in person at the UCC? Lipscomb is so wonderful that they have chosen to invest in their students in ways that some other universities haven't, and uh, I'm really impressed with that commitment because they have added a service on top of what we provide in person at the UCC um, that's called Timely Care. Mm. And Timely Care offers free uh, crisis uh, mental health care and scheduled mental health care, um, psychiatry, and then also medical care um, that is available to students over video chat or telehealth. And especially our grad students, like they need evening and weekend appointments mm -hmm. and we're not open 24 seven, but timely care, those practitioners have after hour appointments available. They're all licensed professionals. Um, and so students have the opportunity to meet with them um, sometimes they'll just meet with those individuals in the gap of uh, while they're waiting uh, for an appointment at the UCC. Now, we don't have a wait list, but sometimes we'll have students come in and they're like, I can be seen this one hour of the week and that's it. Mm -hmm. And so while we're finding a practitioner that's open at four o'clock on Fridays is a very popular time that students want to be seen. Wow. <laughs> while we're trying to find that specific hour available, sometimes we'll see a timely care practitioner in the meantime. Um, which Timely Care is just, Timely MD, Timely Care is just an app that they download. Um, any Lipscomb student can do that. Sign in with their username and password that they use for all their Lipscomb stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they can just set up an appointment. And they are able to look through the practitioners and see their bios and, um, and pick who they want to meet with. And I will say, if you download the Timely Care app or have your student download the Timely Care app, um, there's also health coaching available for free and like what they call self-care journeys where they can learn about self-care topics um, on their own time. It has different modules. Um, there's yoga classes on there. Um, so lots of other like self-care related uh, materials on the app. So even if they're not in crisis or not needing regular counseling, that can be beneficial for their overall health. Um, and then the other good thing is it's kind of an extension of the Counseling Center because uh, their notes for those students go in the same electronic health records that we use. Oh. So if a student comes in in crisis, we can look up and see all of their counseling notes and be able to provide support with continuity of care. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last cool thing I'll say about Timely Care is that um, it's nationwide. So where our counseling licenses are limited by the state where we're licensed, 
when they go home over the summer to Montana or Idaho, they can still use Timely Care because when they pull up their app, it knows their location and it will only show practitioners that are licensed where they are. Mm -hmm. So in the past, it was difficult trying to find students, counselors back home over Christmas break or summer break, uh, even spring break. Uh, but now they have access to that all year round. So Lipscomb is really providing for the students in that way year round. That's yeah. such a great resource because a lot of those breaks can sometimes be times of stress exactly. where you might need to speak to someone and mm -hmm. where with campus being closed, that's an awesome resource for them to have um, yes. along with you guys. We're so thankful for them though too, you mm -hmm. know, because instead of us feeling like we have to be all things to all students, um, we have some support that helps us to support the students. If a student was interested in coming to the UCC, what should they expect? What what would that look like? That's a great question. The Counseling Center is located in the Student Activity Center on the second floor. <laughs> so it's above student rec and um, above freshens. So when a student walks into that building, they can just go up the stairs by the vending machines or up the elevator and it opens into our lobby. It's open Monday through Friday from mm -hmm. 8 to 5. The way that it looks now is we say that they come in for a consultation session. And first of all, the way they make that is they can go on our website or they can go to their MyLipscum page and um, go to Counseling Center and it says request a consultation. And they just click on that button and fill in the information and then we'll contact them to um, schedule that. Uh, they can um, call if they want to, but we try to limit walk-ins for scheduling purposes, mm -hmm. just for confidentiality. If we have a bunch of people walking through and then we have students sitting there waiting on their practitioner, it's not that they can't walk in to schedule, but we um, really emphasize the, uh, the online portion of scheduling. So, mm -hmm. um, so they would schedule that consultation and come in and meet with either our intake counselor or our case manager. And that person is going to um, see what their needs are. And if we're able to um, handle those needs at the counseling center. So for most students, yes, we can absolutely see them at the counseling center. Someone who has maybe um, an active eating disorder or um, some severe substance use, uh, if they were experiencing psychosis, you know, we that's when the case manager is able to get them connected to community resources mm -hmm. and help them to find a counselor that's going to better fit their needs. Uh, not because we don't want to see them, but because we want what's best for them and uh, connecting them with community resources in those situations is what's best. So we try to say, like when you walk in the door, it's not a guarantee that we're going to be able to see you long term in our facility. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't want um, parents or students uh, to feel like that's uh, anything negative about their particular student. We just want to make sure that they're connected to the right resources. So that's why um, in the past year we've added a case management position because they're able to make those connections and then follow up with the student and say, did you get connected? Now we can't force students to get connected, right. but <laughs> can follow up and, and make sure it's what we call a warm handoff, um, that they're getting uh, connected with those resources instead of just saying like, uh, sorry, I think you need something else and see you later. So um, that's been a really wonderful thing uh, for our students to have that person to, to help bridge the gap for them. Um, and then the uh, intake counselor will schedule them with a counselor for them to see regularly who will assess how long they need to be seen. And um, we have staff members and student counselors and then counselors who are working toward licensure. So different levels of ability and um, different specialties that can see students. From the intake 
and getting their schedule aligned, let's say their time works out really well with one of their counselors, mm -hmm. how soon would they be able to make an appointment theoretically? Yeah, so when they put in the request, they should get in to see our um, intake counselor within a week unless it is like the first two weeks of the semester because we'll have about 300 students try to, especially in the fall, we'll have 300 students try to make uh, appointments within like a two to three week time period mm. because they, they're like, oh, I want to get this locked down, you know, so they'll just try to get in and get it taken care of really quickly. So then um, it can be a couple weeks. We have several people trying to work on intakes at the same time and we look through what they put in their form and if there's anything concerning that we think they need to be brought in sooner, we'll, we will reach out as soon as possible. Um, so we try to tell students to be as honest as they can when they fill out their consultation request instead of just going stress or whatever. Because mm -hmm. if there really is a more urgent need, we want them to feel like they can, uh, that we can reach out to them faster, right? Um, and so it can be a couple weeks then, but usually it's a week to consultation and then a week after that, they'll be with their regular counselor. Uh, but the consultation is kind of like a counseling session in a way. It's just much shorter abbreviated where we assess for needs. The other thing is they can walk in anytime during business hours if they're in crisis. Mm -hmm. And crisis is defined as um, if they're thinking of harming themselves or others, whether that's self-harm or suicide, uh, they can walk in and, and we will see them. Um, after hours, uh, they can go to their RHD or they can use Timely Care. There's a crisis line, um, a part of Timely Care called Talk Now. So um, there are other services available. But we will always uh, make time to see a student in crisis. We, I just defined crisis because we used to say you can walk in if you're in crisis and students would walk in like, I got a C and I'm in crisis. And we were like, hmm. I think we define crisis differently. We ask some screening questions before we take the walk-ins, usually. What are some of the monthly events that the UCC hosts? So we like to collaborate with other departments on campus. Collaboration is a big emphasis at this university, making sure we work well together. Yes. <laughs> and so we work with the Office of Student Wellbeing, which was the, is within Student Life, to host kind of theme events each month. So like, for instance, in February, there was a Valentine's week and so each day had a, a different uh, activity whether it's having to do with flowers uh, making a little bouquet and then at the same time we hand out information about healthy relationships or um, it can have to do with something like a um, going to hear a speaker uh, during that week and then sometimes we'll do things that seem just a little more fun like having dogs on campus for stress relief during finals mm -hmm. um, in the past, we've done goat yoga during finals, and that was a really fun stress reliever. And so we try to go with the national months, like if it's Eating Disorder Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. um, uh, last year, we did something called Smashing Scales, where it's actually a not national nonprofit organization, but you put scales in bags and you smash them with baseball bats. <laughs> and, you know, that's not something we're going to do every year, but we try to make sure it's um, exciting for the students to come and maybe engage with the topics of mental health that in the past they've kept at arm's length. Um, Sexual Assault Awareness Month, we always team up with the Title IX office. Mm -hmm. um, also over February and March this past school year, we did something called Black Girl Magic where we had workshops twice in February and twice in March specifically uh, for our African-American uh, female students to come and learn about specific topics and brought in a speaker that 
uh, works with that population all the time. And those types of things, like we just really wanna make sure all of our students feel heard and seen and um, meet their needs as much as we're able to with the mm -hmm. resources that we have, yeah. Do you have a favorite event or speaker that you've seen or heard? I mean, I done? love goat yoga, I will say that. I know that makes me sound so Nashville, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was really fun. Actually, just so much to watch the students' faces mm -hmm. um, because they uh, dressed the little baby goats up in like pajamas and tutus and things oh like gosh. that. And the students would come in and almost like start crying. They would be so excited and like it was so cute and they were so stressed and they were like, oh, just so excited about it. And we had some, it was so popular. We had faculty and staff sneaking in to like, can I just see the goats? <laughs> I would have been so, one of those. I would have been yeah. like, can I just see the goats? I know, <laughs> yes. So that's really fun. Um, and then at the beginning of the school year, every year, we do a Planting Hope event for Suicide Prevention Month. Mm -hmm. um, and suicide prevention is, is my specialty that I work in. And so that's just really close to my heart. And we usually give out little succulents or we have a vendor come in and sell plants um, to decorate their dorm rooms. And then also as a reminder when they see that plant, planting hope that there's hope and um, everybody can experience thoughts like suicidal thoughts from time to time. Um, and we want to make that something they can talk about and also have access to plenty of resources related to that. So mm -hmm. that's probably the one that's closest to my heart have something tangible to talk about a hard conversation. Yes. But. And the Office of Student Wellbeing is so great to partner with us and work out lots of little details of these mm -hmm. events and um, the student care coordinator in student wellbeing. I don't want to downplay how um, how much she is doing for these events. So we just love partnering with them on that or OID like with the Black Girl Magic Workshops. It's, it's really fun to partner with these other departments because then they get to say, hey, we care about mental health too and the students see that. It's not just the counseling center that cares about mental health. There's other offices that really care about it too. Community mental health. That's right. <laughs> Let's talk about Let's Talk. Oh, yeah. What is that program? Who does that serve? Yes. Tell us about it. Okay, so I'm, I like to give credit where it's due. We, this is something that comes out of Cornell University, and they started this model called Let's Talk to really reach the students that may not feel comfortable coming into a counseling center, um, particularly um, racial and ethnic minorities. Um, and the, the model is just, instead of counseling, we don't call it, it's not called counseling. It's these drop-in, I just need to talk to somebody. So we had students that were signing up for counseling, weekly counseling, that really probably just needed to talk to somebody for 30 minutes one time, but mm -hmm. they didn't know a way to access that type of service without signing up for counseling. Um, and students are definitely willing to do that, but we thought, you know, this model is so... Uh, good in how it accesses uh, maybe students who don't want to come to traditional counseling, but also need somebody to talk to. Um, so we partnered with OID uh, currently, and we may expand it to other departments, but currently uh, the Office of Intercultural Development, one of our counselors, who is Latinx and speaks Spanish, um, goes over to that office and is available right now. It's just an hour per week for students to drop in and talk. And then that counselor can say, you know, actually I think you do need to go to the UCC and maybe think about regular counseling or can just, you know, maybe something like, I'm really stressed about this relationship and I just need to talk it out for a second um, and can process that with the students. And um, they don't need to have an appointment. And because it's not regular counseling, um, it can feel less intimidating. So they just drop by during that hour uh, and 
um, we will expand those hours if it becomes popular. So it just started like three or four weeks ago. And the first day there were students standing there waiting when the counselor showed up to open and start seeing the students. And so we were really encouraged by that because we have been promoting it, but we weren't sure, you know, at Lipscomb, is it something they're going to want? Is it something that, is it really going to be a need? We'll see. And so for students to week one be standing there and ready was really exciting to us to say, oh, this is something that's great for students to just drop in. And mm -hmm. we're looking at next year, um, the 2023-2024 school year, starting um, drop-in counseling appointments as well. But we haven't worked out all the details of that. But we are seeing that sometimes these drop-in one session things can be really helpful to students. Yeah, that's exciting. That's a great yeah. need that you guys identified and found a way to work with the students. When presented with heavy or stressful seasons of life, what are some tips of getting out of a stressful headspace? For us or for students or both? Yeah. <laughs> um, all of the above. All um, of the above. <laughs> whatever right? you want to speak to. I usually will tell um, students that having a preventative self-care plan in place is the best way mm -hmm. because then when you get in those difficult spaces, you um, already have a plan you don't have to like it's hard when you're really really stressed to think about what do I need and what's what's good now and so um, one of the things I do sometimes when I talk to classes or uh, go speak with students in different areas is I will give them a copy of like a wellness plan which you could google that and make it to you and we talk about how self-care isn't like watching Netflix for six hours while eating ice cream out of the tub. Like, that's not self-care. It may feel like it in the moment, but long-term, you're probably going to feel worse, right? Because, like, I have all this to do, and I just did the, watched uh, Netflix for six hours. So um, the self-care plan goes through the different dimensions of health, like physical health, emotional health, spiritual health, mm -hmm. uh, relational and social health, uh, and has you kind of make a plan to stay uh, in a healthier space with your stress levels. And then there's an emergency plan component to it of if things get bad anyway, because we're humans and things are really hard sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, you don't wish it or hope it, but there could be a death in the family or there could be, you know, um, some sort of disciplinary action that you didn't know was coming, whatever it happens to be, that you have a plan to, to really take care of yourself, even in those more intense moments. And a lot of times that's about reaching out you know, and connecting with people. If you're already doing these great things for your spiritual health and emotional health, how in those stressful moments do you let other people come into your space, come into your, um, like, physical but mental and emotional space and, like, share the burden with you and walk beside you in that, whether it happens to be a counselor or friends or someone in the spiritual formation office that can be there and, and walk beside you in that. So... Um, that's honestly, it's not like a magic answer, but it, it can be life-changing for students. Or even just a little brisk walk. Right. Outside, changes, walking from one end of campus to the other, just gets mm -hmm. you moving, gets you moving out of your headspace. See, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things when we do the self-care plan, where, uh, when we talk about physical health, um, and emotional health, well, first things we'll recommend is like, make your bed every morning and go for a 20-minute walk every day. Mm. And how, how much can that just change your outlook? Because um, there's research to show making your bed every morning gives you this sense of like, I did something. I, I did something organizationally. I, you know, I made something better. I have accomplished something first thing. And it brings this sense of self-efficacy, even for that little thing that kind of sticks with you throughout the day. 
and helps you to feel better, more motivated. Isn't that weird? Something little that like that. That is weird, but I love it. I'm going to start paying more attention to <laughs> my bed. Learning Make sure that it's made. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for having me here oh. to talk about it. <laughs> of course. Thanks for joining us. For more information about Lipscomb's Counseling Center on campus, visit us at www.lipscomb.edu backslash student hyphen life backslash health hyphen wellness backslash counseling hyphen center. Bison Talk takes a deep dive into today's current events and news with some of Lipscomb's community's most interesting people. Bison Talk is produced by the Lipscomb University Office of University Communications and Marketing. Learn more about Lipscomb University at www.lipscomb.edu. Thank you.